This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where Jared and Jessica are missing. Yep, that's right. They're planning on getting married Saturday, so uh, we pulled in some uh, pitch hitters. They, so, need to, they need to think of their priorities here. I know. Crazy, huh? <laughs> so we got uh, Eliza on the show, and for those of you, you don't know him, but this is Josh. Hi, I'm Josh. Josh is awesome because he is the owner of Black Omen Comics. And if you were at Comic-Con and didn't stop by their booth, shame on you because it's awesome. It's probably one of the only comic books out there that has a soundtrack. Literally. It does. We have Purge Worlds and we have a soundtrack to it. So, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, We've got a great show tonight. We've got author Ari Salvatore coming on the show talking about his new book, Archmage, which is the first book in the Homecoming uh, trilogy. And if you haven't read anything, of this stuff, well, either you like it or you don't. I mean, it's pretty much how I've found it when I'm talking to people. They're either in love with it, it's the coolest thing in the world, or they just can't stand it. I don't I don't know. There's, there's just, not a whole lot of gray area for some books. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of that with fantasy. It's either they really love it or they hate it. Yeah. Um, Dungeons and Dragons books can be kind of hard if you're not into Dungeons and Dragons because there's so much mythos to them. Yeah. But that's one of the things I really liked about this book is it dove right in and it, kind of no apologies on getting uh, getting us right into the story. So it's fun. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, with these these books, there's a lot of back history because this is the 28th book um, <laughs> with the same character. Now, and most of the books you can read is kind of a standalone because um, it's like they do them in sections where, okay, these ones are here. If you read the backstory, that's okay. But you can get away with reading these three books and be fine. You know, you can get in and get out. That's um, how I feel about Will of Time. Will no, Okay, so Will of Time is a completely different monster. Read right. the first two or three books, skip to the end. That's how I feel about it. The <laughs> rest so you, with you. The rest you don't need to read. <laughs> you know, read the first two or three, then skip to Brandon Sanderson's final ones, and then you are good. You don't need yeah. to know the, the melodrama. Just wrap it up, people. Just wrap it up. In between, so. Yeah. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to hunt me down with pitchforks and fiery, mm-hmm. uh, you know, torches. So, but well, well, you have so many options when you're looking at fantasy. I used to read a lot of the Dragonlance novels oh, in the 90s, yeah. and I really loved them, and I did feel like each of those could kind of stand alone. And I haven't revisited that universe at all until coming back to this book. And I felt like it was I jumped right into the deep end, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I have three shelves of Dragonlance novels at home. So 
<laughs> Why am I not? Needless to say, that that was what that is actually one of the first series I ever read as a kid, and that's what got me really loving, you know, reading because you know, back then, yes, I know, I'm saying back then. Uh, when you went to way sc- back then. Well, when you oh, went to school, you had to read what they wanted you to read. Yeah. You know, now my kids are coming home and it's like, oh man, I get to pick what I want to read for English or reading, and I'm like, where the crap was this when I was a kid? I had to, I had to read the you know, the old man in the sea and tell of two cities and Scarlet where the letter. Scarlet Letter and where the red fern grows, and now my kids are, you know, they're reading Seven Sovereigns. You know, oh yeah, I remember they're that. reading Harry Potter or uh, you know the Percy Jackson books, and it's like, man, school is so much cooler. No, that should be the fun reading, though. I you mean, give them the school stuff, but then that's the fun reading. Yeah. I mean, my kids are taking creative writing classes, which I never got when I was in school. You know, and, and they're in middle school. Yeah, I and did. I did creative writing in high school, and it was fun. And it really did kind of open my eyes to stuff. And in, and in those classes, I was encouraged to uh, read a lot more than just we'd, what we'd been assigned to read. So it was it was a good opportunity. I'm glad that students are getting those opportunities these days. We went to the same high school. I never saw a creative writing class. What the heck? Yeah, yeah, it was there. It was there. <laughs> See, sure. I I kind of let my nerd flag fly back then. I didn't care who knew it, but uh, you were kind of a closet nerd. I didn't even know that you were so geeky. Yeah, that's I call myself a closet writer because that's how I was. It really no was. It wasn't that. until my senior year. I I, I was. Yeah, <laughs> you came, like he okay. Came out. Let's face it. I did. I came out geek. of the geek closet. <laughs> yes. I that's, did. That's but why conventions not. like Comic Con are so fun because you kind of see that we are not alone in the world. And then you talk <laughs> to really successful people, people like Salvatore, who write awesome books, and you realize that, yeah, you can actually make careers out of being as geeky as possible. Yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, even look look at some of the really famous people now that you'd look at them and you're like, there is no way you're a geek. I mean, look at Vin Diesel. Yeah. You look at that guy. Huge, massive, bald guy that I mean, he literally went head, you know, head to head with Dwayne the Rock Johnson in one of, you know, the uh, what Fast Five. Yeah, yeah. They're pounding each five. other, and you know that after he wraps up on the set, he's going over with his buddies and playing D and D on set. <laughs> I mean, he's he's he said that yeah. multiple yeah. times. He said that, and you just look at him and you're like, dude, he's just like me. You well, know, he's finally returning to his roots in the yeah. Witch Hunter movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that to see that. Well, because he did what? Chron- Chronicles of Riddick? No. Yeah, 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 yeah that's he, what he did. He was Riddick. Yeah. yeah. And I thought the first one was a great. Pitch Black. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, those those are good, but it's just, you see that big, you know, that big muscle-bound guy, you know, even go running around Comic-Con, you see the jocks. You know, back when we were younger, you know, you used to get teased and pushed into lockers. Mm-hmm. For stuff like this. And now it's like the jocks are running around and they're just as cool and, you know, they're buying geek stuff and lightsabers or (laughs) keyblades or whatever. But who doesn't want to be the big, strong Superman, right? Yeah. So it it is interesting how how things have changed. That's true. For sure. Yeah. Well, like you said, it was called English when we were kids. It's called language arts now. Yeah, it is. It's arts. It is language arts, which is really... Let's take away all of the really artsy stuff, and we'll just put arts in front of that, and that'll take place yes. of that. And I think it's stupid because kids need the arts programs. But I think it's I don't know Comic Con. Anyway, Comic Con is awesome. By the way, yes, it was. It was our first time exhibiting there, and we saw a lot of fans come by. We had a 
big green screen and we'd dress people up like Vikings and take photos of them. And I think they had a good time. Was this was this your first con ever, or just first? Well, con? I've, Salt I've Lake. come as I've attended before, but I'd never exhibited before. This is our first time. We just released our first book, and uh, it was a good chance for us to kind of promo that and get eyeballs on what we were doing. And man, you learn a lot. But we had a really high traffic spot, and people just flew by. I know we saw a lot of people, but we had tons that stopped that were just interested, and that was encouraging. You know, to see people say, "Oh man, I wish I had the guts to do what you're doing." and I don't feel gutsy. I feel just like I'm having you fun. You had a great location. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, because by the time you get down to the, what I like to call the dollar store alley, <laughs> <laughs> where it's just stuffed animals and, you know, the stuff that you can get at a fair. Right. That went at a fair, you know, some people sell that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is not stuff I would pay for. But you had a really great location because you were right in between the artists and the books. Yeah, and you were right up front as people in that big wide alley right there as people were walking by. So you had a good location. Yeah, we've got good response from it. Like I say, I think we got a lot of eyeballs on our stuff. People saw our logo. They saw Black Omen Comics. They saw Purge Worlds. Um, so it was yeah, it was it was fun, and it was really fun to kind of see it from that angle because I've always attended just as a fan before. So it was really fun to kind of see it from that angle and talk to people. That's awesome. That's good. So, blackomancomics.com, right? That's right, yeah. It's blackomancomics.com, and on there you'll see two of our properties. We've got Purge Worlds. It's a sci-fi book, and that's the one we have a, a soundtrack to, actually. It's by a band called Conquer Monster. They're at conquermonster.com. And the soundtrack goes right along with the story. It's really fun. They're kind of an electronic synth-pop band, and uh, they are really good. Uh, but it's fun to read the book and listen to the music and uh, you got that. And then we also have Valkyrie Falls, and Valkyrie Falls is at Black Omen, but we also have a ValkyrieFalls.com, and that's a webcomic, and that's our Viking story. Uh, we're shooting a film on cool. that one in April. That's awesome. Nice. Okay, aside from the orange lightsaber, what was your favorite part? I have to know. Favorite part? Absolute, uh, the thing that stood out the most. I have to know. Well, you just can't, you can't get past the orange lightsaber. Well, I can tell right? you I can tell you what was the, the, the suckiest thing. But uh, let's see the the best part. I don't know. It was it was actually a really good con for me. Um, most cons, I'm running around super stressed, going nuts, ready to pull my hair out, and trying to get back and forth to get as many interviews as we can, and just get as much as I can out of it. While at the same time having to drag my hosts along with me to get them to do stuff. Um, I didn't have to do that this year. It was really nice. Uh, you know, the team was, we were ready to go. We were, everyone was pulling their weight. Everyone was trying to get the same amount of interviews. There was no dragging going on. Every, you know, if someone was late, there was communication going back and forth. There was no like, okay, where's, where's so-and-so where, you know, I knew where they were, what was going on. We all had panels that we were doing. Um, I had seven and the other two had like four or five, each and so I mean we were constantly busy. We did our we did our show there Friday, which just devolved into a show talking about poop. <laughs> Michael Brent Collins was on on the show and I it just ended up we death. were talking about poop and somehow we now have a poop rating. Oh, how many okay. poops does it you know you know <laughs> it determines how well our show is. 
Um, you know, and one guy said, hey, you know, you guys are 15 out of 20 poops. And we're like, all right. <laughs> I guess we'll I take think that that's one. Good. Like the yeah. ultimate BM? How yeah. is that working? <laughs> so I'm just like, all right. So, uh, you know, is uh, is this like emoticon poops? <laughs> because if that's the case, then all right, we're we're sold. So, uh, Well, congratulations, 15 out of 20. I think you can improve that, though. Yeah, we probably could. Yeah. Yeah, I worked so. on that. No, you know, I thought con. I thought it was really good. That was a really good con. I feel like it was run more smoothly. The the, the aisles were bigger. I know there were probably even more people there than ever before, but it didn't feel as crowded and wasn't until as exhausting. Saturday. Saturday was, Saturday was insane. Was yeah. insane. Oh, just trying to get in there to take stuff down was a mess. Uh, Saturday was like walking into a wall of rotating meat. I mean, I even <laughs> most of the con I was using the side passages just to avoid yeah um a lot of the people because there were certain areas that it congested. Oh yeah. Well, be grateful for the ventilation in the Salt Palace yeah. because San Diego Comic Con after about day 1, it just yeah. gets this kind of malodorous cloud. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I it's On Saturday, even the side leak. passages no were. For that. Even the side <laughs> passages were clogged. Well, see, I think with San Diego Comic Con, it's a little bit different because um, it's probably like Gen Con, where the con really doesn't kind of shut down. You know, even though the exhibit hall is closed, there's still other things yeah. going on. Yeah, good point. And so, you know, like, and so those cons, you have people literally they are going until they crash, and they just crash on the floor, they crash on a couch. You see people playing games all the time. Yeah. You see people bathing themselves in the sinks. <laughs> I mean, it's San Diego. It, you know, it's like, hey, San Diego. you know, they, they're there to get as much as they can out, and they want to spend money because that's where you see exclusive stuff and things like that. And who needs a hotel room when you can just crash on the floor and bathe in the sink? I mean, really. Is this like a like a round-the-clock thing? San Diego Comic Con. Well, like, yeah, I mean, like they don't close they shut the, the exhibit hall. The, the exhibit hall closes, but there's like there's still panels and activities and things going yeah. on all night long. I mean, yeah, like activities, yeah. Like, wow. you know, Gen Con in Indianapolis, there is game tournaments that are literally going all night. Wow. I mean, there are just people that are just coming in. They take their next shift, and then it keeps going. Uh, there's panels going late into the night, or you just have people sitting in the exhibit hall that have set up games outside. In the in the the hallways because the hallways are massive, and they're doing stuff out there. I mean, it's crazy. Well, that's why wow. I think that conventions like that and a show like this are are really kind of important because you can spend so much time in kind of the subculture of gaming and comic books and things that you can start to feel marginalized. But you do something like that. You listen to a show like this, or you go to a convention like that, and you realize, like I said before, you're not alone. There's a ton of people, and so yeah, I think a lot of people just suddenly feel completely in their element and they want to just absorb every bit of it they can. And um, and that's maybe one reason why people stay and kind of plug in so much to that. But sounds like Chris Evans had a great time too. He sent out a cool tweet. Did you tweet. see him? Did you, I didn't get to see him. I never saw him once. Aren't you supposed to interview him? Aren't you like... Well, no. his panel was first thing Saturday morning. So if you didn't see him early Saturday morning or you didn't pay to get an interview or photo with him, <laughs> then you probably missed him. But... Um, he loved it. He sent out a really, really flattering tweet. He thought he thought it was fun, and he said it was the first time he's been able to interact at that close, that intimate level with the fans. Sounds like he had a great time. Well, there was a lot of fans that you know said stuff. You know, I know there was one girl that it posted her picture because he literally was kissing her on the cheek, and Aww. I guess her grandfather or something had passed away, 
And the same day that it happened, they announced that he was coming. And so she kind of related that he was the reason that kind of helped her get through that because she was wow. she had something that was exciting to see. Wow. Um, there was a marriage proposal in front of Chris Evans. Okay, and I saw that picture. Haley well, Atwell. I yeah. didn't want to hear about yes. that. Yeah, so there was a guy dressed up as Captain America and his fia- girlfriend uh, was dressed up as Black Widow. And oh my just gosh. as they go up to take the photo, you know, he drops down and proposes to her. And Haley Atwell is all, fr- I mean, she is all like, you know, <laughs> like fanning her face. And she's got this look on her face of pure shock. And so is Chris Evans. And, you know, and that's gone everywhere around yeah. the news circuit, and everyone. Awesome. I just hope that marriage lasts, man. That one's got to last because that's the story <laughs> for the grandkids. Man. It is, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's just really cool, and you know, and they were really cool and gracious about stuff like that, and you know, it just it sounds like that kind of went around. Uh, a lot of the ce- celebrities like that kind of personal touch. Um, there's just a you know, there's just a few things. Going in as a fan, it's it's a great convention. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a great experience, and I yeah. know that's what they really focus on is building it around the fan base. Going in as press, trying to talk to these individuals, mm-hmm. is not the greatest. <laughs> it was a good experience as a vendor. They provide a lot of vendor support. Yeah, everything was expensive, but uh, you know, I think part of that is just cracking the code of how to start making money at the con. Yeah, seems like the key might be to sell posters of you know, fan art things. <laughs> but no, I mean, oh, as far as every, yeah. I, as far as Everywhere. vendors, I mean, this time I have friends that were vendors. I no one was complaining this time, which was great. I think they did a much better job uh, moving the vendors around. I know last time a lot of people were upset, especially the artists and, and the authors, because they were so far away from the main doors yeah. that by the time everyone funneled through everything, their money was gone. Yeah. I you know this time a lot of the the you know let's see um, Wordfire Press was like right near a right. main door mm-hmm. Shadow Mountain was as well Skyler was right there you know and, and so yeah. as soon as those doors came open it's like those people could hit you know it's like they're right there to the authors they could yeah, sell we that we were really close to an entrance and it was super because we caught yeah. people's eyes as soon as they came in that was fun you know and i i like the fact that they moved the celebrities way down on the back side of, of the L down where you know you do get it's the like carnival the milk stuff at the back of the store well yeah. it is you know <laughs> yeah. and it didn't bog things down now there were a couple times things did bog down in the vendor area i think it's when they had really big uh, author signings Oh yeah, but I think they did a much better job because I remember uh, I think it was Fan X when the guy that plays Malfoy was there, oh, and yeah. that line wound completely through the vendors, and the vendors were mad because no one wanted to even try to look at their stuff because there was yeah, that massive because line. Because they were just there for the yeah yeah, so and th- and that can be frustrating, um, you know. And, and I did hear some stuff about there was some theft going around. No, oh, really? Yeah, which kind of sucks because normally that doesn't happen at conventions I've I've noticed but it seems like unfortunately that happened well you got to kind of prepare for it but honestly everyone I saw there was having a good time yeah I think I saw one person in tears and they might have just been so excited about the latest Chris Evans yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing that did shock me and surprise me though is you know, their Alan Tudyk was supposed to be Skyping in and he actually showed up no way he was there oh. I, and that's this, so. This is my bummer moment. I went into the green room and literally missed him by a minute. Oh, he uh, was in there chatting with people, shaking hands, taking pictures, and I missed him by a minute. 
Oh my gosh. I'm so mad. I think I think my favorite thing that he ever did Get was Get him on the show. A Night's Tale. Yes. <gasps> he would totally come. He's nice enough. I bet you he would come. Night's Tale was awesome. Do you I know any con- uh, do you have any connections because I I, I love will him. phone you. I love so I love I him. Phone you. I love him as Wart in that. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I really like the characters he portrays and it's more than just Serenity that I want to talk to him about. I mean, Con Man would be pretty cool, but I mean that his portrayal of Wart in oh, Night's Tale was amazing. His character in Transformers. Hello. Was, was great. <laughs> I just, you know, even Tucker and Dale. That was awesome. I mean, he does some great characters. You're just like, why are you playing this character? But I can't stop watching. He's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, super. That is a bummer. Yeah. Too bad. Though. Too bad you missed him. I know. Let's just Get call. him on the show. Yeah. Let's just call. See if he'll. Yeah, call I don't know who to night. call. Who do I call? Who I has his phone number? Does anyone have his phone number? I want to call him. Let's just post let's, it. Post yeah. it online. Don't Public really post it online. For yeah. Alan Tudyk. Yes. So we're still waiting for Bob Salvatore to call in. Um, I don't know what's going on. Did I've, you see him at the con? I did. I actually talked to him at the con. Cool. Um, and I'm like, hey, yeah, you're on the show next week. He's like, yeah, I'm excited for it. So I, I don't know if there's just a miscommunication in time. So he might be calling in around seven instead of six. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I will tell you, though, with, with this whole fantasy thing, like you guys were saying, where the author is replaced, the great thing about that is that and people are bringing their kids, the kids mm-hmm. see the authors, the kids see the books, the kids see the covers, and, and that is where it all starts, I think, um, is reading that first fantasy book for those kids going, holy crap, there's a whole other world, and then it just blows up. And I loved, love, love seeing just the expressions on some of those people's faces when they walked in and they saw... You know, Here's um, the author. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that was cool. You know, I got into reading. My my preferred method of consuming media is movies. I'm a filmmaker. That was my major in school, and uh, so I got into reading novelizations. In fact, the first Ari Salvatore book I read was his Attack of the Clones, Star Wars Attack of the Clones novelization, and I read everything I could from Alan Dean Foster, his Alien novels, and so I really started kind of reading things about movies I had seen, and that opened the doors to me to a whole bunch of other uh, of other books. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that, um, yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with kind of dipping into the fantasy novels. It makes you think about the world, the real world, in a different way. Uh, and that's part of the value, I think, of good fantasy is it helps you detach a little bit from the day-to-day goings-on, but you still think about relationships and conflict and Oh, really, really, really interesting. Yeah. Ooh, side note. <gasps> Did you go and take your kids to go see the Weasley Twins? No. Rude. Sorry. All right, looks like Bob's calling in. So, awesome. uh, Great. Let's, let's get him. grab this real quick. It's Central Crawlers Radio. How are you? Hey there. Sorry about that. I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> you're confused. Yes, that's okay. It happens. You just got back from Salt Lake Comic Con, so and it was probably long and busy. We'll try not to confuse you anymore. Brains are mush after that. It just happens. Brain was mush before that. Who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> so so how are things, uh, being back home and maybe putting your feet up and now being on the book tour? It's uh, amazing to be home, honestly. It's been... Uh, <laughs> About a month of craziness, and I needed to get home, and I'm home, so all is well. Good, good. Well, you know, thanks again. Get back into the routine that I need. 
Good. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, we always yeah, love having you on here. the show. So, no. So, Archmage, it's the next book. You know, and you're. Can you tell us kind of what's happening now in this new book that's beginning the Homecoming series? No. No. <laughs> okay. Sounds Please. fine. Um, read the book. <laughs> the. The series picks up right after Vengeance of the Iron Dwarf. So okay. you've got a king, a dwarf king in a field, surrounded by the armies of three dwarven citadels, and he knows where Gauntlegrim is. So he's got an idea. Problem is that there are already dark elves in Gauntlegrim. So they got a fight coming. And the other problems are what's going on in Menza Baranzan with the dark elves. There's a whole ton of stuff going on there. And a lot of it's got to do with the current matron mother squeezing her fist on everybody, order in the chaos. But there's a few wrinkles that came in, one of which is a very ticked-off archmage who has once again come to understand that his place as a male in drow society is never going to be where it should be. And there's a lot of that going on. So the Dark Elves are trying to restore order, and they're just making more chaos as usual. The Dwarves want to go to the Delzoon home, and they've got an army that might be able to do it. And they've got a king that's ready to take them there. And that's the first book. And at the end of the first book, something really weird happens. It starts the Rage of Demons storyline that's going on in the Neverwinter game, and the upcoming uh, Legends of the Sword Coast game, and then Aaron Evans' book, and Troy Denning's book, and in my next book, Maestro, which is coming out in the spring, and is already done. Nice. I was I was going to ask if that has a connection with that D and D storyline, so that that answers that. So, was it really fun going back to that place where you have you know the dwarves going against the dark elves? Because we saw that back when they were trying to reclaim Mithril Hall. Or after they reclaim Mithril Hall, excuse me. Uh, this one's crazier, and it includes some of my best favorite battle scenes ever. And um, this one's just crazier. And there's all kinds of people pulling strings in different directions. It's hard to explain, but you know, I have I have airborne dwarves with harpal wizards, and it doesn't get much, much more fun than that. <laughs> so that it was it was in a way what's happened. If you look at the the progress of the last few books. It's almost like what's old is new again, right? From the Crystal Shard going through to Halfling's Gem, where it's, it's the quest to find the the homeland and then to go get it, and the enemies you're going to find on the way, and the obstacles in the way. But with characters who are seeing things from a different perspective, and so that's, that's what made it exciting for me. Um, the whole thing with the Companions, that book, The Companions, and after the time jump was... The ability to answer the question, if I could do it over again, knowing what I know now. You know, Everybody says, if I could only go back to high school, knowing what I know now, I'd own the place. And well, everybody over 30 says that, anyway. So <laughs> in this in case, case I, get to go, I get to go do it over again, knowing what I know now. And I had a blast. And, you know, quite honestly, the response to the last few books has been write what I would expect given how much fun I've had writing them. 
how do you how do you plot that? How do you plot those battle scenes um, and keep them organized as, as throughout I the don't. throughout the book and the series? <laughs> I'm, I I'm don't. Just, sorry, author to author. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering how you plot. <laughs> He said it multiple times. You don't. Dang it. Well, fine. I had to. I have to do an outline, right? Yeah. yeah. If I don't do an outline, then they won't send me a check, basically. Okay. So I do an outline. They send me a check, and I throw my outline away. Not completely, because I'm in a shared world, so I have to hit the beat points that right. they want me to hit. Okay. But I got to tell you that... Um. As far as I'm concerned, the, the story is going to take its own life, and I have to let it. Do you try and keep your characters to a certain minimum when you're when you're writing certain scenes, or do you just kind of let whatever character do whatever character is going to do and just throw them in there? Does that make sense? Well, I know where they're supposed to go, and if they don't go there, instead of forcing them there, I find out why. Okay. They're the ones that take me on the journey. I always do that. Whether right. it's an old series like this one or a new or a new series, I always do that. I I uh, I have an idea of who the characters are if it's new and I certainly know who these characters are. So I have this idea, I know I know the characters generally and in this case more in depth. And when I start writing the idea, they're gonna take me places I don't expect to go. And that particularly includes the new characters that come on the scene. I mean, you know, I thought Dahlia was going to die within a chapter of introducing her when I first wrote her, and she just hung around. Once she told me her story of what had happened with her child, she couldn't go anywhere. I had oh to find God. out more. Um, yeah. I didn't think yeah. Intrary was going to be any big deal when I put him in the crystal shot. It was a job security. I wanted someone to give me another book to write. So I put a couple of hooks at the end of the book. <laughs> and then as I well, started writing, I got to know right? this character. I came to love him as much as any of the others. It's it's an organic process with me, and it always has been. And when it's not, I'll probably stop writing because then I'll feel like a mechanic. You'll never stop writing. So uh, can I ask you a question about the opening spe- scene specifically? Uh, this book starts in like a really dark place. You have uh, the demon and the the spider. Um, what was her name? Loth. The, Loth, yeah. You have them and that conflict. And you and it. I think the opening sentence is, the demon's claws scratching across the earth or something. And it immediately puts us into a really, really dark place. Can you talk a little bit about the tone you were trying to set with that? Really dark. You did it. There you go. Mission accomplished. (laughs) You asked. Okay, say. Hold on. Let me, I'm trying to, I'm bringing up the book now so I can see more of what the opening scene is. I'm, I remember I'm a book and a half beyond this now, and yeah. I haven't read it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Uh, the book doesn't open with that. Are so, you reading so the same book that I wrote? We hope so. <laughs> Maybe. Did they change when my book without telling me? Yes. Oh, we're okay, it's, tell the, you? it's the second section. Yeah. Okay, I see it. Or maybe I did move it. I have the I have the pre-edited version. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Baylor, right? He's good. He's fun. Yeah, it was good. So okay, so wait. what was I going for there? This is bad stuff that's about to happen. This is the rage of demons. Demons are the ultimate enemy, right? 
beauty yeah. of demons in a game, whether it's D&D or, or a computer game, is you don't have to worry about whether or not you're doing the right thing when you kill them. Just kill them. Oh. That's the whole point of demons. They're irredeemable, vicious, vile creatures, period. There's yeah. no question marks here. You know, you have question marks with orcs now, right? Yes. Um, games like World of Warcraft, you can play orcs, ogres, goblins. Are they bad or are they good? Well, it's a few. You're playing them. Um, and that's pretty much become the way fantasy has evolved, but demons and devils have remained the same. They're just bad. Kill them. And what's going on right now is with the Rage of Demons is, you know, fury is being unleashed upon the world, essentially, in a very, very ugly way. So, yeah, of course I was going for that. I mean, if you look back at the the Crystal Shard, the first scenes of Air 2 on the Mushroom Throne, pretty much, pretty similar to that. Yeah. Because so that was Air 2, this is Balo, who's a bigger Air 2. Yeah. Everything got bigger, see? Yes. Gotcha. I'm excited. Now, so are we going to see a counterbalance to Lost plans? Because it kind of seems like she's kind of going unchecked and the gods are just kind of turning a blind eye, or is something going to happen soon? Um, well, I don't use the gods. I use Lost, but I don't even consider her a god. I consider her a demon queen. Okay. I don't use the gods. So, no, if you're expecting AO to show up or my leaky to show up in any real way, not in my books. That's not what I do. Isn't that what a mother is, a demon queen? Wow, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Wow, I'm I, I'm you must have man. a much different mother than I know of. No, no. My I, will, I, will, I mean, I will also tell you that in the in the previous books, when Caddy Bree came back from her, her time in the Rule of Dune, I'll put it that way, where she believed she was speaking with my leaky directly, she told Tritz all orcs are evil. Kill them, and Dritt said, "Well, not all. I mean, is that?" And she said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, suppose we go into a, suppose we see an orc caravan and there are babies. Do we kill them too?" Yep, you kill them all. That's what Myliki said. They're all evil. And Dritt kind of walked away from Myliki because of that. He doesn't. He always thought that Myliki was a name he had found that fit what was in his heart. But now yeah. she comes back and tells him something that's not in his heart. So he wants no part of it. I mean, that's part of his conflict now. So it's yeah. not black and white. There's a gray area there. Well, if Dritz didn't believe that, then shouldn't he be killed? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, along, you know, Caddy Bree tried to tried to um, reason that away with him. That, well, not the drow because they're they've got reason and it's nurture. It's not nature. With the orcs, it's nature, and Dritz didn't want to hear it because he had met a goblin once who he didn't think was evil. But was held by humans who were evil and holding him as a slave. And that short story, Dark Mirror. So, you know, it's been an incredible journey, and the thing that's that's making it even more of an incredible journey from my perspective is that as I go back and delve into these things again, the logical consistency is there. I didn't expect it to be. I mean, I didn't plan it, but it's there. And, you know, that's what makes it fun, that I'm not, I don't have to go out of my way to find things that fit. I don't have to go out of my way to find out why Jarlaxle would really not hate between Zero to Zorlaren. Um, and, and as those, I call them happy coincidences, I guess, as those things come to fruition, it makes the story richer and, you know, and you almost get the sense that you're calling somebody on the phone and they're telling you a story and I'm just dictating it, you know, it's, um, it's a weird feeling, you? a good feeling. 
Of course it uh, having, having written as much as you have, why did it surprise you to come back and find that that consistency was there? Has it not been that experience with other mythologies you worked with? Because if you think I could go back right now and give you the outline of, say, Streams of Silver, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I wrote that book in 1988. Yeah. You think I don't no, sit I, down and reread the books? I, I think that's amazing. Not that nearly as often as the readers do. Yeah. Now, with the, the new story, because you have the Dritz has this conflict now because of what Mieliki's kind of relayed to him through Caddy Bree, and then you have Gromp that's like thinking that he the males are going to be elevated and now they're not really that's not going to happen. Loth is pretty much going to, you know, have female wizards. You know, what are we going to see from that character as well as, you know, what Jarlaxle's doing behind the scenes as normal? Well, I can't I mean, tell you that. Okay. That's why you read the books. <laughs> I love that answer. It seems like that you know, People are going to start yes, asking you about book. your book, Spoiler, and you're going to have to say the same thing. I know. I, I, I just love these characters. I mean, uh, I've been reading them since the first book came out, and Dritz is a great character. The companions are great characters. So is Jarl Axel. Now, I've never, I've never been able to really get into Gromp, Ben Ray, but now he's. It seems like that he is now kind of becoming more of a fuller character in your storyline. Than he has been in the okay, past. Okay, when we when Maestro comes out in March and we talk again, because we always do, um, I can't wait to hear what you get to say about Gromp then, because Gromp has absolutely floored me in Maestro repeatedly. Oh my gosh! Cool. I'm excited now. Because <laughs> I've, I've always wanted too. to learn more about about him because he's kind of been this side character that every now and then he's he's a little bit of a little bit of a renegade, but he's still staying in that structure because, you know, he's at the top of the food chain in, in with the males, but you always kind of get this vibe that he could do more if he wanted to, but he doesn't there. So, I'm excited. Well, I mean, the amazing thing about Gromp is he's centuries and centuries old, right? He's yeah. the oldest. One of, there may be another Drow in Menzo Baranzan older than him. I'm not even sure after the spell plague and the sundering. But he's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, dark elf in Menzo Baranzan, which would mean in Faerun, probably. Yeah. Like I said, there may be one of some one of the other game products or something who's older. I don't, I don't know. But he's centuries and centuries and centuries old. He's mastered all the spells of five different D and D editions. <laughs> he knows them all. He, you know, he can, and he's bored because nobody can match him. Well, maybe Elminster, but he doesn't really know Elminster. And Elminster cheats because he plays with gods and stuff. But nobody <laughs> can match him. No drow can match him, certainly. I mean, the, the, even like the, the new up-and-coming hero of the drow wizard, Sabric Silvarin, who did the darkening, right? Gromp got yeah. rid of it. Not only did he get rid of it, but he made all the other people think the goddess Myliki got rid of it. I mean, that was one of my favorite scenes in the last book. He he's bored because what has all of that gotten him? He has all this power, but he has no power. Yeah. And for no reason other than the fact that he's a male. So I, I wouldn't say he's bored. He's frustrated. He's angry. 
Um, now he finds a new way to even possibly increase his power. He finds what he thinks is a purer form of magic in psionics. Um, and he, now he's trying to combine the two. He's trying to do something nobody's done before. He's the Manhattan Project without the safeguards. And if he burns the world down in the process, well, he burns the world down in the process. Hmm. Interesting theory. Man, Marge can't get here fast enough now. (laughs) (laughs) I need to read this. Oh, wow. I'm actually excited even more to get to that next book. Do I mean to mail it to when it's done? It's on my computer. Sweet. Yes. If you wouldn't mind. Totally. Whatever bidding starts at. The bidding. At, at, the bidding. The bidding war. At. <laughs> the bidding Waiting. starts at. Let's go. Dang it! <laughs> I got a bid. Uh, just email. Just only kidding. Wizards would show up and take all all of my money anyway. So. What uh, I call a beta reader. You yeah. gotta find your beta readers. You'll just be his beta reader. Yeah, I'm sure he has plenty. That's no. Okay. You could now, probably bribe Gino. He's my beta reader. Oh. There hey. you go. All right. That would be awesome. Now, it, I, I noticed in this book that Spider and Wolfgar are kind of missing. Uh, you know, they're on their own side quest. Are we maybe going to get another book that focuses on what's going on with those two? I hope so, because I, I, I'm i really liking Spider. I, I like Regis's upgrade. You know, he, it's just a fun character. You know, it's him Have coming you back. Crimson Shadow? Have you read Crimson yeah. Shadow? Yes, I love the Crimson Oliver Shadow. Oliver was series. the inspiration for the upgrade to Regis. Nice. Yes, I, I loved I, Oliver's character. I think most people who read The Companions could tell that the one I had the most fun writing was Spider. Yeah. Even though I thought Bruno's story was the most important for me as a writer, and... Caddy Bree's story was the most important for propelling the story forward. Mm-hmm. Spiders was the one I had the most fun writing. I could I can see that looking back on them. What is it about certain characters? Because it seems that to happen in a lot of stories and books. Is what is it about those characters for you? Who are the characters that you find uh, stick out or become your favorites? Is there well, any? The only way I can explain that is, yeah, you you have a D&D group, you play D&D or tabletop yeah. gaming or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're sitting around the table, then certain people will stand out more than others. It's like you have a bunch of friends, and some of them stand out more than others and become the alpha friend, if you will, or, or the most important to you in one way or another, you know? Um, this is the guy I go to when I'm feeling down because he makes me feel, he, he cracks jokes. He, we go out and we have a great time when we go out. This is the gal I want to be around when I really need to talk on somebody's shoulder because she listens to me. This is the guy I want to be around when times get tough and the bad guys are coming because he'll kick the crap out of him in an alley if I need it. You know what I mean? We all have friends that fill different roles in our lives, and the characters in the book are no different. So I love writing. There are times I love writing comedy characters, Uh, Pickle Bowl the Shoulder, Oliver the Burrows, there are times I love exploring the dark side of nature, of human nature, whether it's Adamus and Trary or Marcello Dianero in Demon Wars. 
There are times I just need somebody to have a moral compass that I care about, and that's Drips. Um, Caddy Bree. Yeah. Elbreen, Jill Sepany. Um, there are times I just need to feel like um, don't take life too seriously. It's just a big football game, right? And that's Bruner and Puent and Athergate and Ambergris and all the other dwarves that have come true usually. So they fill different roles for me, just like friends do. I'm writing buddy fantasy. That's what it's called. Uh, you yeah. know, Fritz Leiberhead, Safford, and Gray Mouser, I have the companions of the hall. It's buddy fantasy. These are friends. These are people you would want to go on an adventure with. They have different roles to fill in the group, not just because one can fight, one can shoot arrows, one can throw spells, one can heal, whatever. They have different roles to fill emotionally in the group, just like a group of friends. They That's establish a really great the pecking order in different ways and at different times. Yeah, and it sounds like some of it has to do not just with your personality, but your timing, too. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. For example, in The Companions, when Bruno came back, when I was writing The Companions, I was terrified because I was doing something you're not supposed to do, period. You don't do it. But it felt right, so I was confused. So what did Bruno do? If you look at Bruno's story, he came back, he's mad. He's just mad. And he's just mad because he thinks that what happened makes everything he did before a joke. He's reflecting a very big fear that I had in writing books. Mm. Somehow it worked, and I really haven't gotten that. The sales numbers have gone up. The fan reaction has been, been more positive since that book. Across the board. And yeah. it felt so damn right when I was writing it, I'm really glad I did it. But that doesn't mean I wasn't afraid when I was doing it. Yeah, you bet. So how do you Especially pull knowing that I was going to be going forward. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, how do you pull, how do you pull that same emotion for, say, your, your villains and your, your um, antagonists in the book? I mean, how do you, how do you pull that emotion so that, that you, find so deep and dark. I mean, where do you find that? Well, I don't think I've ever written something so dark, but that's awesome. I mean, how do you how do you find that? The darkest thing I've written in Forgotten Realms, the darkest thing I ever wrote in my life was Mortalis. But it's also the most hopeful. That's the fourth book of Demon Wars, and I wrote it while I was watching my brother die of cancer. Hmm. It was the darkest time of my life. There hasn't been a close second. Um, when I wrote The Ghost King, where some really bad things had to happen to characters yeah. I really cared about. If you read the foreword to The Ghost King, I, I claim, and it's the truth, that every morning I would get up and go up to my office and I'd put on three music videos because those three music videos put me right back where I was emotionally when I was writing Mortalis, a place I swore I'd never go again. Mm. But I had to, because these characters had earned it. And that was the only way I was going to be able to do it justice. And that was one of the most trying four months of my life, or five months of my life, was writing The Ghost King. Mm. It was brutal. But that's what you do. When you're an author, I say this to people all the time, you know, and so, hey, what are you doing when you get writer's block? Well, there's no such thing as writer's block. There's writer's no block thing. is lack of confidence. The other thing I say is I want to be a writer. What advice can you give me? If you can quit, quit. And I say it all the time. If you can quit, quit. 
Because if you can quit, you're not a writer. No. Because it's an addiction. You don't become a writer to get fame and fortune. And if you do, no. then you're not. You might as well go buy lottery tickets because that's how it works. <laughs> no joke. Um, you become no a writer because the only way you're ever going to make sense out of the world is by telling these stories, by making characters and putting them in places where they're going to, you're going to force the answers in your head out of them. Um, but it's painful. Being a writer means running naked through Times Square at noontime. Because you can't say, I didn't mean to say that. You said it. You're out there. You can't take yeah. it back. It is what it is. You are. You wake up every morning knowing you have a term paper to write and you haven't started it yet. And every time you talk to someone or see a reviewer or whatever, it's like getting that paper back with red marks all over it in the second grade. Yeah, That's oh, what yeah. it is. Yeah. And... How do I go to the dark place? I I use music. I use memories. It's like an actor, right? How does an actor mm-hmm. summon up tears on screen? It's the same thing. When you're a writer, you're really the actor for everybody in the book. Right. Right. It's just like when you get to the end of the book, I mean, you feel sad because it's ending, but you it's it's like a bittersweet because you, you've accomplished the story, but yet you're sad to see the characters go. Yeah, Whereas exactly. You, yeah, exactly. Right. And I'll tell you the other thing, too, you say about the bad guys. Like, I don't have that feeling for Loth or Urtu or, you know, the, the ones who are just evil mm-hmm. or messed up. But when I'm writing a character like Entreri or Jarl Axel, there's more there, and I want to find out what it is. Because nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I think I'll be evil today, unless he's a sociopath or a psychopath. Actually, that would be right. a psychopath. Yeah. So even a guy like Marcalo Dianero, my Demon Wars, who is about as big a dirtbag as I've ever written, he thinks he's doing the right thing. He is firmly convinced that it is critical that he behaves the way he does, that it doesn't matter who he kills or whatever, because... This is what is necessary for mankind to go on and stay on the path. It's it's a bizarre psychop- psychopathic psychological break from reality that brings him there, if you will. And I had to find out why. I had to. I, I, I looked at what is the thought process that brings these guys. That brings these. Sorry about that. I think my doctor okay. called. <laughs> Oh, I'll take it later. I'll still be alive. Let's hope it's it not later. life or death, right? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> if it was, I'd hang up. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> so that's what I do. I try to get in their heads. I try to find out why. You know, I've all, I've often thought that if you want to write, in addition to studying writing and reading a lot, you ought to take a psychology course. <laughs> oh, I think that's probably the worst thing you could do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you don't want to know how the, how the mind actually works. Now you know you know what you got to do if you want to be ready. You got to be an observer. I've always thought that a writer is somebody who kind of stands on the side sometimes and just looks and listens and smells and feels everything that's going on around him or her. Takes it all in in his big chunks, bites it up into tiny little pieces, rearranges them and spits them back out. Hopefully in an entertaining way. Do you ever feel like? I mean, I know I felt like this when I when I published my book, but I do you ever feel like when you send that book, you finish your very last word, and and then you send you push the send button to your editor or your publisher, 
do you feel like you're like, holy crap, what did I just do? Or are you just used to it by now? You never get used to that. Right? Okay. And I'll tell you what, almost everything you ever write, (laughs) almost everything you ever write when you get in the middle of it, you think, who will ever read this crap? Oh, that's every writer who's alive. Come on. That's, yeah, that's all of us. Yeah. Every, every chapter I get through, I'm the same way. So it sounds like you have an immense relationship with each and every one of your characters, which I am just beyond jealous. Yes, (laughs) truly. Yeah. No, I do. I do. I, I, even the, the littlest ones in the book, I try to flesh them out. I just want to find out who they are. It's almost like I'm meeting people. I love that. I love that. We're going to do a quick thing real quickly. So for those of you listening, run out to our Facebook page because I've just thrown up a post where if you respond, we're actually – we have a copy of The Archmage and a couple other of Bob's books. We've got uh, Vengeance of the Iron Dwarf as well as Rise of the King. If you go run out there and respond to that, we will be giving away uh, each of these books. So. Hurry and go respond. Find it. Hey, quick question. Is that Vengeance of the Iron Dwarf hardcover? It is. All three are hardcover. Can't get that book on hardcover. There's a mix-up somewhere. They're selling huh. for good money now. So well, there you go. Hey, if you guys win, you can maybe sell it on eBay or something. I don't know. <laughs> after you read it. After you read it. Or after you mail it to him to autograph it and then go ahead and settle <laughs> I should have took him to oh, he was at Comic Con. I should have had him sign him at Comic Con. Oh, Comic-Con. you should have. I know. <laughs> oh well. However, I did pick up the Demon Wars RPG when I ran into T at uh, Comic Con, and I am loving yeah. the, the the system. It's now I need to find a group to play it because I don't want to play D and D anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you and Gino did a fantastic Thanks. job. Thanks. You know, Wizards is monitoring this call, right? <laughs> I know. I'll still play D and D, but it, it's it's Demon Wars is an absolute blast. Um, I did my Kickstarter because after my son, my sons, mostly Brian, who is a game designer as a living, and he's a really good one, working for a really major game and making really good money. I'm very happy for him. Um, when Brian was designed that game, and we started playing that game, I said, I have to get this out there. Um, it is very D&D-like, you know, GURPS, D&D, Pathfinder, yep. all those you know, basic RPGs. But the it's for people who want to be, uh, how do I put this, very easy to play. But the more you think about it, the more you think about designing your characters, the better you will be at the game. It's not dominated like by stats. Um, I've run characters who were very mediocre compared to the other characters in terms of build, in terms of you know strength, you know constitution, the basic abilities. And yet, I became the most useful character in the game. Um, it's dominated by mental agility and thinking on your feet, and I. I, I I can't. We've been playing for three years. My group's been playing for three years. I absolutely believe in this game. Nice. Well, Denny, count me in your group. Right. It sounds awesome. No, it, I I really love the monks and the the gemstones, the magical gemstones. It's just 
I, I can't wait to dive into it. I mean, I've loved the book series, but to actually get to play role play in that world wait, is wait, just exciting. Wait, is this that game that you had in your backpack? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So. Is uh, yeah, you've got four basic monk styles: three fighting, one gemstone. But you can mix and match, make a million different hybrid combinations. My favorite's the Saint Gwendolyn monk. That's the battlefield philosopher. That's the one who, you know, the most important fuel in the game is balance. That's the one that the friends and takes balance from enemies. Mm. And then you've got um, the four rogue classes in the back. Best support class in the game is the bard, but it has a very unique play style. That's the thing. All the different characters play differently, but they're all balanced. It's amazing to me that... Yeah. You can build any character you want, but they're all balanced, and it just depends on how you play it. So, what class was that character you said was that had become the most useful? Wasn't super powerful. What class? Saint Gwendolyn. Saint Gwendolyn. Yeah. Cool. It's a Nothing. support class. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things you learn as you play the game to make you play it better. It, it, it's it's really it's just an elegant game. It really is. And, you know, I'm, I did a second Kickstarter on it, but I learned real quickly that the only way I was going to make it run was by going out on the cheap, which means, you know, not hiring Todd Lockwood, Larry Elmore, not buying stuff from Donna Parkinson, not hiring Scott Duquette to do the cover or, or, um, or um, the, the people I hired to do the, um, what's it called, Elf Elm, it's called Elfhelm uh, Publishing or Elfhelm. It, it's the the woman who used to do all the books for TSI did the layout. and I mean, for Wizards did the layout. It was her daughter, actually, that did it, um, Nissa. And she did an amazing job. And I hired – everybody I hired to work on this book was absolute professionals. But you got to pay them. And when I looked okay. at the way the Kickstarter was running, it was obvious that we just weren't going to be able to do that. We were going to have to go and maybe lay it out ourselves, which I'm not a layout person. I'm a writer. Maybe, um, you know, not hire those those level of artists and go several levels down. Uh, I mean, a lot of people actually go to art sharing sites, which I, I don't want to do for anything that's got my name on it. But if you look at that book, the art in it, the the layout of it, it's professional. It's something that a major game company could put out and feel proud of. And if my name's going to be on it, my kids' names are going to be on it, Brian and Gino, then I want it to look that way. I want it to be that way. But the game itself, I think, is fabulous. And here's a tip for you. When you play the game, use poker chips. All right. Okay. You'll ne- you'll never need to be, like, erasing on a piece of paper because you'll never have more than, like, 15 hit points in the game. So if you can have one color hit- for hit points, one color for balance, and one color for focus if you're using gemstones. And just use hit points and throw them in as you use them or as you're, I mean, use poker chips and throw them in as you get hit or as you use balance or as you use focus. Say the name of the game uh, the game one more time for our listeners. It's Demon Wars Reformation RPG, and there's only one place you can get it. <laughs> and that's rasalvastore.com, my wife's store. That's about cool. the only place you can get it. Unless we, we find like, you at a we con. We had a bunch of it. Salt Lake Comic Con, but they just flew right out of there. They're all gone. I know. I Kevin Anderson I had, might have a couple left. I had yeah. to snag it. 
Daniel was smuggling it in his backpack home like it was a drug deal or something. (laughs) Yeah. I'll admit it. I'm telling you, you know, there's not that many left. I mean, we're down to, we've got to go to King Arthur's Fair in Connecticut um, in a week and a half, and um, or it's actually Connecticut Run Fair, they call it now. And we'll blow through a bunch down there too, I think. And I'm, I'm not planning a reprint at this time, so it's starting to get thin. There's, we're, we're getting down to the point where I don't know how many more conventions you'll see those at, or how long it'll be in the store. That means run to the R.A. Salvo store now if you want a copy. It's amazing. And you better find Proco Chase somewhere in Utah, like an underground. That's easy. Place that that <laughs> no gambling oh, here, obviously. Are easy. You can buy. You can buy soup, these silver suitcases with five different colors or whatever. They're, they're go easy. online. Amazon. You don't need to go to a store. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The um, I, I, I was interviewed by a gaming group out of um, the WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute, and I gave them a, one of the books. And I said, yeah, try it. Because they, they have a gaming club that gets together. And they all came back and were like, how come this game isn't better known? Why isn't this game out there? How come we don't see this game out there? Because it was just a labor of love that we did a Kickstarter for. But, you know, I'll... Well, thank you for sharing it with us. It sounds awesome. Danny, let me know when you want to run it. I'll play with you. All right. Awesome. So let's let's kind of jump back to Dritz and all that. Now, you, earlier you mentioned Ghost King and things happening there. Will we ever maybe see some continued stories of Catterley and Danica before uh, the Ghost King event happens? I would say not before, if it ever happens. Okay. Other than that, maybe. The only reason I'm saying that is, like, if I could write any book I wanted to write right now in the realms, if Wizards just said, hey, we got six months free, write what you want. It would be about Zach and Fane and Jarlaxle way back before Dritz was even born. Oh. Dude, I would love that. That would be amazing. And I tell you, I get more mail about that since I first measure, mentioned it years ago. I get more mail about that than almost anything. Everybody wants that book. But yeah. right now what's going on at Wizards is they're a licensing house as much as anything else now with Cryptic mm-hmm. and now the Legends of the Sword Coast game coming on. You know, Warner Brothers announced the movie. They're trying to keep everybody moving in the forward and on the same big themes, whether it's Tyranny of Dragons, Rage of Demons, right? They're just trying to give everybody this kind of meta, whether it's starting with the Sundering. They're trying to, all the authors, all the game designers, all the licensees, they want them to be on the same page. And so when I'm writing a book for them, they want it to support Rage of Demons or Tyranny of Dragons or whatever else. So they're not going to say that to me. Go back and write a book back in time. Um, but if I did, it would be the Zach Fangerl Axel book. If I would be on board. situation ever does present itself. Forget Catterley. I want that book. <laughs> and you could write it being yeah. published. No, that would, be, story. that would be an amazing story because I know that was kind of thrown out there a long time ago and we've never – it kind of poked its head up every now and then, but we've never really heard anything more. So that would be amazing. Well, we did get a hint that some of them are still around in the last book. Yeah. Or was it two books? No, it was the last book. So we did get a hint that some of them from the Catterley series are still around. Yeah. All right. So uh, you've already, I mean, 
you've just like blown through all my questions just from normal chatting with you. Just what is something that you know that really while you're writing that when you're sitting there that just blows you away that you're just like this is why I continue to write. Oh, it happens all the time. Um, you've read the companions, I take it. Yeah. Okay. At the end of the companions, I've got them on top of a hill, and Guinevere's ears flatten. She gives a growl, and I went, "Holy crap! That's so and so." And it was. Hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Don't yep, say it. I do. Don't spoil it. I'm not going to say. I it. didn't know that was going to happen. Okay. That's what makes me keep writing. That's the kind of thing that, I mean, like I said, it's very organic for me. I I have that outline that I threw away, (laughs) and I know the beginning, the middle, and the end, maybe. I know the main conflict. I know who the characters are, kind of. They take me on this journey. For me, writing a book is, I think I write a book the way other people read books. I've said that before. It's it's very organic. There are times I have to keep writing just to find out what the heck's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, that I, I will have to admit at the very end of that book, I was shocked that person showed up as well. Even though I'm like, okay, why? What the heck? Why is he not there? And then he shows up. It was still shocked me at the end. I was like, yay! You know, had to do the fist pump. You know, got all excited. So. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I didn't expect it. That's that, that's that just happens. amazing. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, that just that stuff like that. I mean, I you know we've talked to several authors and they're like, oh, you know, I plotlined all this out, and that just sounds like that's a lot of work to write. But you know, the way you describe writing, it sounds really fun and fluid and organic, and it just it makes me want to write and get excited about that. I never told you I plot. No, not you. Other people. Well, so. I had a friend who used to do his outline was like 110 pages. I'm not even no. exaggerating. No. And no. I was like, why don't you just write the book? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, my outlines, because I, I write screenplays, my outlines are quite detailed. I, I, a lot of times I'll get even lines of dialogue in them. Have you ever written a Have you ever written a screenplay? I've done some comics, which is about the closest I've come. I've, I've script doctored a couple of screenplays. Yeah, um, I want to write a screenplay, and I'm moving no, myself in the direction where I can. Stick yes, to you do. Don't no, write screen- screenplays. Try it. I would love to see a film shot from a screenplay you wrote. Please do make that happen. I, I, and I guess the reason is because um, screenplays are a lot more spare. Uh, you can get through them a lot more quickly. But I put like a lot of detail into my outlines. Sometimes I even have dialogue conversations in them and that just those kind of become placeholders for me but you can't you can't direct well remember i've written two novelizations yeah oh that's right that was the first of your book i read was attack of the clones yeah so i mean i've worked with screenplays i, yeah, I know the i know the format i know the style whether that would whether I can do it or not, I intend to find out very soon. I well, think. any any hint on what that screenplay is? Can you give us a hint? I don't know. I oh. really don't. You don't know yet. All no, right. I mean, well, I'd like to do The Highwayman as, as a movie. That would be amazing. Yeah. I, that is a great book. Again. But I don't you know. think I would be the one writing the screenplay. Hopefully I'd be working with the writer. 
for something like that because if I were to sell the Highwayman, it would have to have the proper budget and it would already be sold as a book. And I don't think the studio would let me write the screenplay if I've never done one before. Yeah. Hopefully they'd let me consult and be a part of the process. And then if I can't sell it as a movie, maybe I'll just write the screenplay and try and sell the screenplay instead. You never know. I can't tell. Cool. Yeah. I'd love to see that. No, that ha, have you read the book, Hi, The Highwayman? Mm-mm. Oh my! So it's set in the same world as the, the Demon World, uh, Demon Wars game. Great character, uh, you know, Stork. Wow, y- you have to read the book. It's just amazing. So you got the James, the gemstones, and this kid that your heart just breaks for. It's broken and twisted, and then, yeah. I won't spoil it, but you got to. You know the impetus for that book is I have a friend who has a son with cerebral palsy. My son, a brother with cerebral palsy. Okay. And for most of my life, I've seen this guy walking around my hometown and watching him walk with this kind of stork-like gait, you know, trying to control himself as he's walking. And I just wanted to know what. I mean, I was bullied in junior high, and I just wanted to know what it must have been like for him to see the world through his eyes. Because he's not, I mean, he's a bright guy. He's he's sharp as can be. Um, He just, he can't translate that physically. Yeah. And um, the frustration, but, but, you know, he he soldiers on. He he doesn't want pity from anybody. And I just wanted to know what it is to see the world through those eyes. And that was my exploration when I wrote The Highwayman. And I love that book. I think it would make a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, I agree. It's got all the the great elements too for a, a, an amazing fantasy movie too. Now the Demon Wars series, I wish would be a TV show, like on Stars or HBO or something. The seven book Demon Wars series, not the Highwayman, but the, the the original series. That could be awesome. Yeah, except for it's a. I'm just trying to figure out how we could do that because. We definitely don't want to go the the way the the sort of truth series, but maybe closer to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, you could even do like a Netflix thing now, where you release all of the episodes. At That's once. true. Yeah, that could be cool. And then you have you have one shooting schedule, get it all done. But it'd be really cool. Well, I'm willing to try. <laughs> Someone call Ron Moore. <laughs> Hear that? Hear that, Hollywood? We're willing to try. I'm watching uh, Outlander now, and I think yeah, it's that absolutely phenomenal. And I really yeah. love what Ron Moore's doing with it. I got into the first ten minutes, and I had to shut it off because my kids came in the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah, you can't mind. watch it with kids around. No. no kids around for that one. But, hey, it's still good. I know. When I go to Scotland, I'm taking you with me, Daniel. All right. I want to go. All right, so the book is out now. So Archmage is out. You can go pick it up at any bookstore. Find it on Amazon. Go to, or you can go to Wizards.com, or I'm sure you can snag a copy at RA Salva Store. Um, signed. If you're signed, even even better. If you haven't started in the Dritz series, it yeah, there's a. I mean, there's 28. This is the 28th book now. I, the book is no, I'm, I think. Or we twenty nine. Actually, the thirty first. Thirty first. Oh my gosh, I am like lost. You missed three. Sorry. <laughs> how, how dare well, you? The, you missed three. The, the beauty is, wait a minute. Well, you didn't count the cell swords, but that counts. If you look at the okay. beginning of Archmage, 
or Archmage. We still haven't figured out how to say that. Um, is it Archangel or Archbishop? I don't know. I don't care. Is it just a just I don't care. Yeah. Um, if you open the front, if you open the beginning of it, they have all the Dritz books, the Legend of Dritz, and they have them numbered. Nice. So well, there's actually a guide in the book. It's about time. We need it. Because I can't keep them straight. How can the readers? Yep, it's 31. Look at that. I should have just gone home and counted all of them on my shelf since I have all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just that's that is amazing. That's that's quite a legacy there just from this book series. Well, you were kind of recommending something to the readers and I'll say this is the first I've read in probably 10 years and um it I did feel very much like I was jumping into the deep end and but um but I I got caught right up in the story. It was super. So you feel like it you could easily jump in I think and so. you'd be fine. I think I think it's I think it's an excellent starting point and you can go back and read the other stuff before but uh yeah if you haven't if you haven't read one or if it's been a while this is a great place to start oh you mean like doctor who you you start with the new stuff and then you just go back and watch the old stuff this is better i'm not saying i'm not (laughs) saying something's better i'm just saying that's what people say when you start watching doctor who they start here and it's smack dab in the middle of everything and they're like you'll be caught up yeah so I like that. I like that theory that I won't have to start all the way at the beginning. Sometimes. Well, uh, I, I feel like I did have to learn the mythos and kind of get caught up in it, but I was familiar enough with the language and the and the concepts that uh, it was it wasn't it wasn't hard to start with this book. It was uh, it was really fun. Great book. Thank you. All right. Now, is there uh, any other book signings or any other conventions that you're going to be at, or are you just kind of now done for a while? Um, I'm actually going to the Connecticut Ren Fair on the 10th okay. of October. And then I have a speaking engagement in Fitchburg, Massachusetts at the Public Library on the 22nd, I think, of October. And then that's it. That's um, So just two more, and they're spaced out to give me weeks to sleep in between. And um, I need it. <laughs> yes. And then after that, I'm going to Disney. So there. Yay! I like awesome. that idea. Well, we're really glad you came out to Salt Lake. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. That convention was an absolute riot. I had a blast. I, I'm intending to go back to that convention. Utahns um, really know how to bring it, don't they? Well, you know, I knew that, I knew that Salt Lake was a great science fiction fantasy community because I, I used to go out there all the time because it was this huge media play right downtown. Yep. And, oh, yeah. and there's, yeah. there's, there's a place called the Davis County Library you probably know about. Yep. We used mm-hmm. to go there, all, and we had huge crowds. We had such a good time. Um, you know, I would have never thought it. Salt Lake City, you don't, if you don't know anything about Salt Lake City, you don't associate that with science fiction fantasy. But then you find yeah. out how many of the authors out there are from that area. There's a ton of major yeah. authors that are from Salt Lake City or from Utah. Yeah. And... Um, so it was pretty cool. I mean, and then so I got to go back there for this convention, and I was just blown away. I had such a good time, and there were so many people. It, it reminds me of San Diego Comic Con before it became like a pop culture movie thing. Yeah. You know, San Diego Comic Con. Once upon a time, the comic book writers, artists, and the novelists were like the they were the know, royalty big D's out there, and then all of a sudden the actors started showing up. So Sandy, uh, Salt Lake City, Salt Lake Comic Con doesn't really have that part of it. They have some, 
but not like San Diego does now. San Diego now is, is you know, you have to get tickets and be in line for hours to get into the the very few panels you're going to have time to see the, over the weekend. So well, I think we did know when you were doing your signings because the lines got unbearably crowded. So, yeah, you were. You were uh, you were the major celebrity next to Chris Evans, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. It was it was well, awesome to have you out there. It was a blast. I got to meet Jim Butcher, too, which was cool. I'd never met Jim before. He's a riot. And I saw Dave Wolverton. I saw Kevin Anderson, obviously, Mike Stackpole, Tim Zahn, Terry Brooks and his lovely wife, Judine, were out there, Diane, and I hadn't seen them in a while. Um, and... Um, who else? Who else? Felicia Day, Tracy Hickman, Laura Hickman. Yeah, I mean, Tracy, a lot of old Tracy, friends. Laura. It felt like it felt like an old Gen Con to me. I haven't, you know, I didn't go to Gen Con this year, and I caught up with a lot of the people that I would normally see at Gen Con out at Salt Lake. So, yeah, no, I had a great time. So did Diane. Okay, well, cool. We'll nice. see you next year. I yeah. wish I had the chance to meet you. So I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you tonight. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I'll be back out there. Okay, yeah. sure. All right. Well, no, that. Thanks for coming on the show again. We always love having you on the show, and you know, thanks for continuing to write amazing uh, books with Dritz. It's been an amazing ride and a trip, and you know, twenty-eight years. I started writing books when I was twenty-eight, and now I'm fifty-six. Half my wow. life. You should see Daniel's eyes right now; they're sparkling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It is. He is in absolute heaven over well, here. Seriously, I you know, I started with Dragonlance, yeah, and I read those, and so it's been it was been great talking with Tracy and that and getting to know that. And then my big transition into really big fantasy was you know picking up Homeland for the very first time. My buddy's like, oh, you've got to read this, and I was looking at the cover, and I'm like, I don't know about this because uh, that old cover art, and then you know first chapter i was hooked and it's like okay how many books are there and i ran to media play and bought every book up that was available and and i bought it and i've snagged every book since so i've just loved the series you're aging all of us i know i know i'm <laughs> aging myself how do you think i feel <laughs> i know that every every day i realize that some kid picks up the crystal shard and the book is older than he is substantially <laughs> Yeah, no, trust me, I, you know, my son came in the other day, he's like, oh, I've got to, I need to read a new book for, for my language arts class. He's like, what do you suggest? Because he likes fantasy books, and he's like, I just finished Harry Potter, and he finished the, uh, oh, what are those ones? I can't remember. Don't anyway, so I'm like, Please don't say Twilight. no, it wasn't Twilight. Okay. So I handed him Crystal Shard, I'm like, this one's really cool, you'll like this one, and he looked at me, he's like, this book looks old. It's got wrinkles and creases all over it. It looks like Grandpa. And I'm like, it's been that love. Turn the pages with care, please. <laughs> that means it's good. It's been read and reread. Yes. So he's reading that, and he, you know, he came home like, what, three days ago. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is a really good book. So I, I'm sharing the love. Well, it's fun for me, and as long as it's fun for me and people want to read them and Wizards lets me write them, I'll keep writing. All right, so Wizards, I know you're listening. Keep letting them write. Yes. I want more. (laughs) 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 All right, so everyone, once again, R.A. Salvatore, go check out his website, R.A. Salvatore. You can buy stuff directly from him and his wonderful wife, Diane, uh, and it will be signed. So you don't have to wait for a convention. You can get it signed right away. 
And I'm sure on the website you can get it you personalized. Get yep, personalized. There you go. Uh, yeah. Or check him out at one of the, the signing or the speaking events that he'll be at. Or sounds like he'll be at Salt Lake Comic Con next year if you're in the, the area. All right. Well, thank you so much thank for coming you. on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Now, once you get to playing the, the Demon Wars game, if you like it, get yes. in touch and we can talk about Demon Wars. I will certainly do so. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I want to be in on that okay. call. I'd like to try that. All right. Well, thanks All again right. for coming on the show, and we will go get some rest, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, be good. All right, have a good one. All right, everyone, that was R.A. Salvatore. Oh, I love having him on the show. Uh, and this is kind of the crazy thing about starting the show. I know we only have minutes left, but these people that I have, you know, that have wrote books that I started reading, I kind of have a, a personal relationship with, which is really cool. Because, you know, growing up, these authors are like these mythical giants. And, you know, you go to a signing and you get to talk to them a little bit. But to actually get to know them on a personal level, it's just, it's amazing. And even going to signings, it seems like kind of the mentality has changed where it's not just like, what's your name? Write your little thing, signs, and then you're you're off. And they really pay attention and, you know, they will listen to, you know, like uh, your story. Um, I know Tracy Hickman related when he was on the show one time where this big, huge biker guy came in holding this gnarled and wrinkled copy of one of the Dragonlance novels. I think it was uh, Dragons of Winter's Night. And uh, you know, Tracy's like looking at this guy like, <laughs> whoa, whoa. And this guy is just I like in him. tears. I mean, huge handlebar mustache. God, I mean, this looks like <laughs> some guy that if you walked into a dark alley would just beat the crap out of you and leave you for oh, dead. Yeah. But this, he's like, this guy is just he's weeping. And he, he's just like, this book, you know, got me through the darkest time of my life. And this guy just related this beautiful story of how a friend of his had died and so on and how this book had touched him. And it's just amazing where this mentality has changed where, you know, they actually, and maybe it started with authors and moved on, but, you know, where they see their work, which, you know, like he said, he's already a book and a half away from mm -hmm. as this book's coming out. And that these characters, the you know, the words in that touch people. In ways you can't imagine. So well, it's absolutely true because I, I mean, I remember going through a series that shall not be named at the moment that I, I, I had major postpartum depression, and mm -hmm. and after I'd had my kids and things were bad, and I, I opened this book because my friend said, "Here, read this." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me!" But I opened it up, and it's it's the fact that it takes you to a whole different place than where you're at right there. And that will that just transports your mind and everything else, and it gives you that 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 break. And I I know I've said this in some of the articles I've written for the chapter, but you know it pulls you, um, or maybe it was for my blog, I can't remember. But I writing and reading, it will literally pull that person from from that the angst or the depression or the whatever they're feeling at that moment and put them someplace else within a character's mind and, and, and transport them to a different world and, and make things better. Yep, we believe in reading. My daughter just turned nine and I asked her to name the nine best things that had happened in her life. And number one or two was the first novel we read together. And that was really awesome. So if you want to, if you want to read a book, read a book. If you want to read one with your kids, do it. If you want to write a book, write a book. If you want to start a 
podcast, do it. I think that's the biggest takeaway I'm having here is look at it was really inspiring to talk to R.A. Salvatore and see, look, he's been doing this for so long. If you want to do it, do it, guys. Well, okay. So that's kind of been my thing is I have loved writing since high school. Yeah. And I never had, I would say, I guess, the nerve to do so. I've always kind of done it in secret. I've done it through my role-playing games because I've always been the DM. And Welcome I've, to the club. And I've <laughs> wove these amazing stories and adventures and you know, and everyone's like, oh, everyone's loved them. They've always been detailed. I created my own world. I yeah, um, I have fourteen thousand years of history in this world that I created for my own personal D and D game and vol- very large three ring binders. No, oh. no, that's that's the that's the novel. This the is, novel okay. I have has nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, literally, I've had several people move me from one home to another. And every time they pick up my my Rubbermaid totes that have all my D&D stuff, and they're like, never ask me to move you again. <laughs> because I have, and I'm like, that's just my world stuff. I have like four of those. Big <laughs> Rubbermaid totes that are just full of all my notes and books, magic items, people. And I, it's that detailed. And everyone's like, oh, you need to write a, a story about this. And, you may have a problem. And I, I would start, and I'd always crash. And... You know, and then I got challenged at, at Conduit to write, and it, this idea hit to me, and it was nothing. It was nothing to do with that world. It was. I mean, it wasn't even fa- epic fantasy. It was like completely different. Um, and I just think my brain can't write that, because my brain is thinking when I'm writing that, my brain's thinking this is an adventure, and I have to write it in that format, which is different. So I know I'll eventually be able to get to fantasy later, uh, but. To get a full novel out, I had to write something different. No, because I told you, remember I told you, you have your own voice. You cannot go by the voice of someone else who's written an epic fantasy. You have to go by your own voice. That is what makes your story. Yeah, well, so, right now, my voice for a fantasy is a D&D adventure, so that doesn't work. So now that I've got something out, we'll see. So I'm excited. There is some news in the pipeline coming about that, so I'll just have to wait because I can't announce anything yet. <laughs> Every, I Seriously, I put something out on Facebook saying, exciting news on the way, and it, I got like, you're pregnant? You're dying of cancer? I'm like, how is that exciting? Another redhead on the way? You're dying of cancer? What? what? No, and then, yeah, so it, it's funny. been interesting. It's been funny. Um, but it was really cool walking around uh, Comic-Con, uh, just kind of re- going back to that. You know, A lot of these authors that I've known because of the show because they know I've been writing. They know what I was able to put out, and some of them are reading it. And everyone was just, like, introducing me as a writer. It wasn't, oh, yeah, he does a podcast, because that's how it's been in your past. Like, he's a writer. And that's really cool. You know, it was kind of like this, okay, they've officially claimed me as one of their own. That's right. We've and welcomed it, you into the Into the, the, the land the of tribe. the insane people. No, well, we, write a screenplay, then you can be in my clique. Sweet. We call it a tribe, <laughs> because... It is. It is. It's oh, a I tribe. I mean, if you talk to Tracy Mangum, he will tell you. Oh, Tracy. Oh, but these are Tracy's these are your people, yeah. and and you will not. Yeah, I've written a couple of screenplays, and every time you mention screenplay, I just want to come over there and choke you. <laughs> I could do a screenplay. You could do a screenplay. Oh yeah. I just I I I did it, and I didn't. I didn't like the format because I just yeah. it didn't flow. I had to stop, and I had to. My only problem is screenplays don't require a lot of detail, and I would be wanting to put a lot of detail in there. No. But uh, well, the best ones 
have really good detail. Yeah. So we'll just have to go. We'll see. So uh, just so you know, next week we do have we'll have another epic, exciting show. We've got quite a few things uh, in the works for you. Uh, next week we will have on uh, pretty cool Kickstarter. Uh, we'll be talking to them. It is Pulsar's tabletop role playing game, and they're going to be coming on talking about that. Uh, which is really, really cool. So we'll talk more to them. And then the following week, we have uh, Ferret Steinmetz coming on talking about his new book. And then the following week, we have David J. West coming on to talk about his book. And then we will be having our Halloween episode, which it's going to be interesting. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but it's going to be fun. Well, and if you want to know more about writing horror, Johnny Worthen will be at the Viridian on the 8th of October doing, um, doing a presentation on writing horror and he's awesome and Johnny Worthen's awesome he's also the one that has the uh, write a book in 90 days which amazingly enough I was able to do even though I wasn't following his his program or format but it's possible folks it is um, it's also possible to plot one plot a novel in an hour yeah Robert yeah. Defendi is very very good at that and we're and actually Bob's going to be coming on Bob Defendi is going to be coming on the show he, he asked me, me to um, if he He's could come on the show great. and talk about his new book as well. So uh, a lot of cool stuff coming on board. So stay tuned. Check us out. And as always, you can download us on iTunes, Stitcher, or from our website or Blog Talk Radio. And uh, Jared and Jessica will be gone for at least another week, maybe two, because they're getting married Saturday. Uh, awesome for them. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's lightsabers involved. I know they were trying to talk about the Emperor. Uh, marrying them, but who knows. Anyway, thanks for having me. We'll catch you next week and have fun. Nice. Till next time.